Okay, so this afternoon, or this morning actually, it might be afternoon or some of the time where you are, we'll be continuing our development of the meta practice. And many of you are familiar with um, our form of retreats, especially the longer retreats where we do tend to offer the Brahma Viharas at, a, at, a, at another guided meditation. And we do it because the Brahma Viharas offer us such a beautiful map of the potential of the heart and offer us a way to respond, potentially respond to the world with wisdom and kindness. When what we're in touch with, there's a sense of connection and friendship, the heart can really swell with that feeling of metta, of benevolence, of kindness. If what the heart is meeting is suffering, is all of the challenges of, uh, that are in the world. Um, the heart can respond with compassion, with this sense of really caring and being open to, being willing to stand with someone else, feel with someone else in their pain or our pain. And then if what we're opening to is joy and well-being, that things are going really well, um, the heart can be uplifted in mudita, in empathetic, sympathetic joy. And holding them all, necessary for all of them, is this balance of equanimity that is willing to move with the joys and the sorrows, but doesn't fall out of balance. So this beautiful map for us of practice. And then within the practice of metta, we also do an exploration in the way we traditionally teach us teach it, where we go through these different categories of beings because each different category has the potential to show us or teach us or um, allow us to experience a different modality. So we start with, and I love this teaching of metta, where they say start where it's easy. So many of us have this sense of, you know, where's the problem that I need to fix in my relationships and that's where I need to spend my time, you know, where it's difficult and fix that and then everything. It's like, no, start where it's easy, where you can find some sense of connection and um, uplift and the metta can begin to grow. Start from there. And then once you've built that, then you go to where it's more difficult. So it's really very wise. And we tend to forget it, even as we say this again and again, especially when we get to what we call a difficult person. People are always drawn to where it's the most difficult. And it's no, no, build your muscles like you would in the gym. You know, you don't um, start at the heaviest weight and, 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 and uh, really stress yourself. You start where it's easy and you build that capacity. So again, I think this is really wise, um, wise teaching for us that we need to keep remembering. And some other people have shared the teachers with their experience of metta. I, I know I was definitely one of the anti-metta group. Um, you know, the teachings that I had at the time tended to be just a little bit as part of a retreat or at the end of a retreat. And it felt to me like to do what I intensive metta, once I heard of that concept, would be like trying to live in a Hallmark card where it was just these saccharine wishes may every day in every way be better and better. And I'm like, no, that's not me. That's not what I want to, you know, it just seemed fake or artificial. 
Um, but after some time, I realized that actually, I could probably do with some metta. And especially I realized metta towards myself. I was so critical and harsh towards myself. Um, and so I did sign up for a, a six-week metta retreat. And it was an amazing journey. It was incredibly difficult. You know, I could tell a longer story, but I had many thoughts of why did I think this was a good idea? And who did I think I was that I could feel meta for anyone, let alone myself? It was really hard. But at, through that difficulty, it became so transformative that I now teach meta, teach meta retreats, and obviously share it in these, these kind of retreats because this practice is really profound. I think Andrea was the one who said, you know, the Buddha said, whatever the mind frequently thinks and ponders upon, that will become the inclination of the mind. And so taking the time to, to fill the mind with thoughts of loving kindness, even if at the time you're not feeling much, but you're creating the intention over and over again to wish well. As my dear friend and colleague, Carol Wilson says, and those of you who know her know she um, doesn't mince words. Here's a great line that she just threw away, but I've, I've kept it to heart. She said, fake meta is better than real aversion any day. Though I also think we fake it until we make it. We keep saying these phrases. There may not be a lot of feeling. I know there wasn't for me and there still often isn't. I'm not a very emotionally volatile person. I don't you know, have big highs and lows, but I could know that I could create the intention or the wish. I always know that I can say another phrase and mean it, even if there wasn't a lot of feeling. So I have a really low bar for the metta. Like, can I say a phrase and connect with the basic meaning of the word, the intention behind it? Yes, I can. Sometimes even that's difficult, but most of the time I can say yes. The feeling is not under my control. There's no meta switch. I can't make it happen. As uh, I think it was Dawn said last night, when the fruit is ripe, it will fall from the tree. It's the same in meta practice. We just create the conditions of this intention and this well-wishing. And just like in our mindfulness practice, the continuity begins to shape the mind and heart. And I know this works because it shaped my mind and heart, really made a big impact. And I've seen it on countless hundreds of other people too. So it's, it's a useful practice. But again, you have to put time and effort and energy and interest into it, not with a striving way to make something happen, but just this caring about the quality of the heart and our sense of connection. And today, we actually get to a turning point in the practice. Previously, we've been emphasizing, as I said, starting meta where it's easy, whether that's self, benefactor, or friend. So we really get to feel what it's like to have a heart that's actively caring, open in friendship. Today, we introduce, again, many of you are familiar with this progression, what we call the neutral person. And this is so interesting because we switch from those we know and care about and all of the complexity that might come with that, as James talked about with the forgiveness practice, to a neutral person who in some ways represents all beings. 
certainly all human beings. Someone we know a little bit, so we know enough to know, remember what they look like or what they do. Perhaps they're in the post office or the supermarket or our dental hygienist or something. We might know their name, but we know very little about their story. We don't know, you know, their situation. Do they have children or not? Are they in relationship? Or what their living situation is? We may not know any of that. But we choose. So as I'm speaking, you might cast your mind about for someone who fits this, this description, that you know a little bit about them. You see them perhaps somewhat regularly. It could even be someone that you've seen on one, in one of these Zoom boxes. So you'll see their name, you see their face, but you know nothing about their story, their life. So we choose this person as a representative um, of what we call the neutral person. And what's interesting is you can audition a few people, but very quickly we'll see the pull to liking or not liking. When you highlight someone, it's like, oh, but they had that funny look on their face the other day. And that really made me, or, Oh, they always dress so beautifully. Oh, and then we find a liking happening. So just to see that, even in what we're looking for or calling neutral, the mind so easily moves into liking or not liking. So it's not about finding the perfect neutral person that it has to be completely neutral. Just with these basic qualities that we don't know their story. We don't know a lot about them. Um, but we can reflect that this person, we can know without doubt that this person has had a lifetime of joys and sorrows. Hopes that have been dashed perhaps or been met. They've had fears and losses. They've had joy and sorrow, gain and loss. Things that have gone well and things that have been really difficult. Their body has been full of energy at times and at other times really painful, really, really challenged. Every person, every human has that. So we can know this about this person. So we, we fill in a backstory of uh, imagined universality. Again, not to tell big stories, but just we know this. This is true. And again, this is a doorway into meta for all beings. And it's interesting just to see what happens as we pick out this person and begin to care for them. And what people find so often, I don't want to put ideas into your head, but it happens is we start to care. If someone we knew nothing about, had no relationship with, I don't, you know, I would do this on retreat, pick out someone I didn't know and, oh, there they are. I wonder how they're doing today. Well, they're not taking much for lunch, are they? I hope they're feeling, you know, you start to, to care about this person, even though you don't know anything about them. So we really see it's not the relationship. It's not that we can only care for those near and dear for us who are directly in a relational field. But the heart has this capacity to wish well and compare in a vaster way than we can ever comprehend. So this is the invitation and the possibility. And again, why I think going through these different categories of beings, they open doorways for us that we didn't know perhaps were even closed. 
because uh, if we're doing just the sort of vast radiating uh, meta, we may not see these nuances. So I just find, you know, I think both ways of practice are helpful and we'll do both ways of practicing as we go through this retreat or even today. Just, um, this, the repetition of the phrases really supports the refining and the connecting with the intention. It certainly can be a deepening for our concentration. We teach metta and I practiced it. The deep concentration practice. And we know, I know that I can always come back to that intention even if i can't make the feeling happen so the phrases can be helpful and learning how to work skillfully with the phrases it's not a question of quantity over quality not the more phrases the better the faster the phrases but really that the phrases are an expression of this wish for well-being for happiness and so it's a very creative practice don't do it in a rote way or the way you always do it. It's like you feel into it. What would help today to connect with my heart and my well-wishing and be able to express it outward? So being very fluid and creative in the practice. That's what I love about metta. And we also learn how to use our mind. Because we, we're thinking, right? We're thinking of a person. We're thinking of their situation. We're using phrases, which are thoughts. We're learning how to use the thinking capacity of our mind in this skillful way. So it's a training. It's a real training. There's, lots, there's always lots to say about metta, but I'll, I'll leave it for there and may say some more at the end. Um, let's begin our practice. And other teachers have mentioned, again, there's so many beautiful instructions in metta, but another one that I love is they say, sit comfortably. I mean, we never say sit uncomfortably in Vipassana, but in metta, it's even more important that we sit comfortably so that the mind and heart can really rest in this sense of well-being and care that metta expresses. So do make yourself comfortable if you need to adjust, please do so. Or if you need to adjust at any point through the session, please do so. And you want to take care of yourself. This is an expression of metta. And then I, even though the metta, the way we teach it is, is grounded in these phrases, which are mental expressions of caring, I always like to keep the practice very body-based. So I begin the same way as I do in the mindfulness practice, letting the eyes gently close, turning the attention inward, and just feeling your body sitting. And as best you can, inviting the body into this sense of comfort and relaxation. So if a short body scan would be helpful, like we've often done, where you just consciously relax and release, that can be really skillful. Taking a few deeper, slower breaths, really slowly breathing in. Slowly breathing out. And also invite a connection to the body and a softness and a relaxation. So we find our way in to an attitude of metta right now towards ourselves through these different skillful means and practices. 
And so just letting the attention rest in the body, soft and relaxed, comfortable, allowing the breath to be gentle and easeful as best you can. And I find for myself when I'm doing metta, even I might be uh, practicing with the awareness of the breath at a certain location. For metta, I tend to keep my focus of attention in the center of the chest. And I feel the breath there. And if that's easeful for you, could be the whole torso, could be wherever you usually hold your attention with the breath. But for me, in metta, it somehow seems to go together. The, the heart center, the seat of emotion, and the breath. And just taking a moment to let the breath come easily in and out, feeling it there in the center of the chest. And then beginning with wherever the metta is most easy for you. Would be for yourself, for your benefactor and all the different guises that benefactors come in, teachers or mentors or wise friends, grandchildren, pet, any of those manifestations. If it's somewhere where there's a sense of real deep appreciation and that they they're, uh, they offer you something that's beneficial for your life or a friend where the relationship is relatively uncomplicated with a lot of affection wherever that is bringing that being that person into your mind and into your heart so it's almost like the sense the image of the person is right there with the breath with the heart in the center of the chest and if this gets too complicated let it go but there is that possibility that We're just resting with this sense, this image, this sound of a person's voice, sense of them, right here at the center of the chest. We might say their name and feel into their being what we appreciate about them, their goodness, their humor, their sweetness, their liveliness. So we touch into the sense of caring that we have for this being. Perhaps it brings a little smile to your face to think of this loved one. Not the whole story of your relationship, but just this connection of caring. And then out of that caring, formulating a wish a phrase of metta for their well-being or, or your well-being. May you be safe and protected from harm. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. And that's a very traditional set of phrases. You're using what works for you, 
to express this sense of caring and connection. I'm just kind of checking in with this person. I hope you're okay. I hope things are going well. I really wish you well. And the other thing that I find helpful to keep the practice grounded in the body is to, again, try this and if it's helpful, use it. If not, let it go. But timing the phrases with the breath. And for me, it just slows the phrases, slows the phrases down a little bit. So I breathe in and I'm silent, just open and attuned to this person. And on the out breath, I send the phrase. Silent on the in breath, outward. May you be safe. You take a couple of silent breaths. Keep the mind more quiet. What's this in, silent, out, offer a phrase? May you be happy. Let's just see if there's a rhythm, this slow, connected rhythm that helps the phrases actually imbue them with meaning as you offer them to yourself or this friend, benefactor, easy person. See if you can keep the image or the sense of connection alive. And seeing if you can connect with that one key word in each phrase. And sometimes we just need to say that one word and let it resonate. Safe. Happy. And as we feel it resonate in our intention towards, as we feel it extended towards them, maybe we feel it resonate in our own heart. That wish, that experience right now, safety, happiness, health and ease.
this person we've chosen as our neutral person. And again, it doesn't have to be the most neutral or the perfect neutral person. Just whoever your mind, heart picks out for this practice. And it's common that when we shift and bring a new person in, then there, there can be some energy that comes with that. That's understandable. That's, that's very natural. If you can use that energy to get a little interested in the heart's response, in this person that you've chosen, and we, we include that in the practice. So with this neutral person, if you have an image of them, that can be really helpful. You know their name, that's also helpful. But you can picture them in the place you normally see them. You're going to picture their face and just reflect for a moment. Again, maybe there's some little details that you know of their life you've talked about. Their holiday that they took or something is happening with their family. You can reflect on that. But mainly just this person has had this lifetime of experiences growing up, their family, the schooling, the work they've chosen, place they live, all of the hopes and fears and joys and sorrows that come with a human life. We know that about them. Coming back to that reflection, as the Dalai Lama always says, there's more that unites us than separates us. We're more alike than we are unlike. And he always finds that way of, of connecting, of finding that each person that he meets is his friend. This is how we can relate to the neutral person. And so beginning to say the same phrases that you were doing for your dear one to this person. And there may not be a lot of feeling with the phrases. That's okay. It's the creation of the intention that's important. May you be safe. May you be happy, peaceful, and contented. May you be healthy and strong. Or if that's not possible, accept your limitations with grace. May your life unfold smoothly with ease. Sometimes longer phrases can be a little more meaningful. Sometimes shorter phrases are simpler and more clear. Whatever works. And also sometimes with the neutral person to find the sense of connection, you can add, just as I wish to be happy, may you be happy. Just as I wish to be safe, may you be safe. Again, finding a way to express the phrases, connection you might feel, 
resting the attention in the center of the chest, seeing if this alignment with the breath helps a sense of embodiment of the metta. Wishing well to this person, this neutral person. connected, easy to space out because we don't have that history with them. We're just seeing if you can find a way to reconnect through the reflections that I've offered, a way for you to get connected. But if you really find it's not opening the heart or there's not a sense of being able to send metta to this person, always find to go back to where it's easy. Back to the easy person, self-friend, benefactor. Let the practice develop a little, and then if it's possible, come back to the neutral person. Again, being responsive to where you are in your practice, in your heart. Sense of flow knowing that wherever the heart is offering the metta, that's beneficial. No right in this practice. Wrong. All conducive to establishing this attitude of metta.
attention. Perhaps, again, these are just suggestions if it feels right for you. Dropping the phrases altogether. Just resting your attention in the heart center, where the breath is moving, the chest. Noticing if there's any sense of the meta feeling there, a sense of warmth or openness, kindness. And having in front of you the people that you've been sending metta to, perhaps a neutral person from today, your friend or benefactor, including yourself. And just holding these beings, including yourself, in this sense of metta, kind of radiating the metta. Without words, just resting in that feeling doesn't have to be grand, powerful, this basic human kindness we can touch into out of caring. If you find a phrase or two or a word or two is helpful to connect, that's fine. It can be helpful to let the practice quieten down and rest in this open heart of metta with these beings that you've developed metta for that you care about, perhaps including the neutral person. And letting that meta feeling radiate out beyond these people. The front, the back, the left, the right, above and below. Well wishing to all beings, human and non-human, known and unknown, this resonance of meta. This warmth, this kindness, this caring. Letting it flow, radiate out, pervading all quarters of the world with loving kindness.
So as I said, I think one of the reasons um, the metta practice is so helpful for us, apart from all of its beautiful capacity to open and steady the heart, is we can be creative in it. And really finding your way into the practice of metta, phrases or not phrases, short phrases or long phrases, right phrases. And by that, I don't mean you're always experimenting and trying this phrase, that phrase, or that's not working, let's do this one. You know, the simplest of phrases can work because it's the feeling that's more important, but just that you make the practice your own. And so I really encourage you, um, because we have this extended period of practice time, to develop the metta practice on your own, to take another formal sitting or walking time where you can just unfold the whole process on your own with following your own intuition. And know, as I said, there's great benefit both for the qualities of the heart that get developed, but it's a practice of, of concentration, the, the amount of intention and the steadiness that we need to have. And then, of course, working with the difficulties in metta. As other teachers have mentioned that they are not obstacles in, in the sense of derailing us, though they can, of course, but you know, the metta not working, but actually the metta working, how we relate skillfully to when the mind is wandering or the opposite of metta comes up. And in all of the Brahma Viharas, in all of the intentional practices, the basic instruction always is if there is some challenge in the practice, can you keep the practice going? So in this case, in the metta, can you fold that into the metta? If the body's uncomfortable, if memories are coming up that are difficult, can you fold that into the metta? So you keep the metta going, but you, and maybe even keep it directed to the person, but that you um, include whatever's difficult. Then if that's too challenging, then you turn and maybe offer metta to whatever's difficult. Could be the body, sending metta to the body or perhaps some other aspect of yourself or other being comes up. And then if that's still too, it's still too persistent or challenging, then we drop the metta and we turn to whatever's up with mindfulness. So we hold it in our warm attention and we bring understanding to it. What's happening? What's in the heart? What's in the body? What's in the mind? And we open to it with care using our mindfulness practice. So it's always, uh, we can, there's always a, a, an array, a spectrum of ways we can respond. So yes, to use, um, I think there was a question just came in, to use the um, whole period of a sitting or a walking to do metta is great. And it's not derailing your mindfulness practice because it is, you need mindfulness to do metta. It actually can provide a great um, continuity in your practice. But yeah, a whole sitting, a whole walking, or even more than that, if you're really called to do metta, you know, I, I know I as a teacher, and I'm sure most of the other teachers would agree that it would be totally fine to do. I, I don't think there's such a thing as too much metta, because it's such a, at the end of it, there's wisdom, as it says in the Metta Sutta, the pure hearted one having clarity of vision is not born again into this world. This is the end of the Metta Sutta. 
goes from all of the well-wishing to liberation through through the metta practice. So it's definitely in alignment to include this um, as much as you feel called to. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.